Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I am here with the author of two books on narcissism from victim to victor, the narcissism survival guide and the rule book of a narcissist. So Mariette Jansen has joined us from the Netherlands. And if you're on the podcast, I hate that you cannot see her beautiful tulips behind her (laughs) as we are getting to know each other. I said, oh, your tulips are so pretty. And so I will always associate our conversation with tulips and the wisdom I know you are going to bring. How are you today? I'm I'm good. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm from the Netherlands, but I actually live in London. So I've moved countries um, because of my husband, and he was the love of my life. And I just hopped over uh, overseas to be with him. Yeah. Oh, congratulations on finding love! That is absolutely wonderful. It was good. Yeah, I was ready for it. But I was by then I was 37, 38. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd been on a journey to um, to fight to escape, I would say, the effects of the toxic people in my life. And by mm-hmm. then I was almost fully myself. It took a few more years to sort of shake it all off. But uh, yeah, it is lovely. It's very important. So it's very hopeful, I think, when people listen to this podcast and listen to me and then think well I I needed to be 37 I had a lot of work done uh on myself you know a lot of therapy lots of coaching all sort of things and you know in the end I arrived and that's that's for everybody yeah if you keep on if you keep on doing the work trust the process and you will arrive I don't think the universe will send us here to do all sorts of work and not arrive in the end. Oh, that's beautiful. And I agree. And I feel like I have arrived to this point and I'm excited about launching the next point of my life, whatever that ends up being. Um, when I asked you what your favorite thing was to talk about, you talked about finding your own power and having more power than you imagine within cases of emotional abuse. Uh, Can you tell people what you meant by that? When you are the victim of emotional abuse, and in my my, uh, situation, it was narcissistic abuse from my mother, I felt powerless. I felt I was the one to blame. I did everything wrong. I tried to fix something. I did all sorts of, I took all sorts of actions to make something work, but it all came from a position of not knowing, not understanding what was really going on and actually not thinking for myself. I was only thinking about my mother, really. How can I please her? How can I keep her safe? How can I... How can I improve our relationship? What can I do different in order to please her? And that was, it's intoxicating my mind. You know, I was 95% of my thoughts were about her and not about me. 
if you can step away, and that's a process, but if you can step away from your emotional abuser, it is going to create space in your head to start to develop your own thoughts. And with your own thoughts comes a connection with who you are, and then you're on a journey to discover your own truth. And when you touch on your own truth, you are, you can be so powerful. You know, nothing, nothing has to stop you, but it needs to be that authentic and that realness you. And it's very difficult to, to get in touch with that authentic you if there's all that noise on the line of, in my case, of the narcissist. If you get in touch with your authentic you, you have power to change that relationship around. You have the power to not be affected by the abuse because you recognize it. You don't buy into it anymore. You value yourself. You say, I'm not having being treated like, you know, like this. It, that's just not good. The self-respect comes up and you say, no, stop. I step away from this. So whatever the abuser throws at you, it's almost like you have a shield in front of you and it just bounces off. It doesn't come in, which then means that actually the abuse doesn't take place. I love what you said about not being affected, because I think sometimes there's this idea that maybe I won't let it bother me. And I like to say I won't let it control me. Right. Because if someone's acting badly, if it, you know, if you notice, if you think something's wrong, if you think they shouldn't talk to me that way or. I don't want to surround myself with people who act that way. That's normal. That's good. That's seeing it. Because if you've grown up in a house with a narcissistic mother, it may feel really normal to be put down, to be, yeah. uh, you know, uh, not the main event of your own life, her being the main event of your own life. Um, and so I, I do want to dive into what you said on that and say I agree and differentiate that for our listeners, because what you described is noticing, but then not letting it control you. And that thing of control is is fascinating because, you know, I'm, I'm a life coach. I work with clients who, who have experienced this abuse and, you know, try to heal from it and overcome it. And sometimes they say, no, no, I'm not controlled by my, say, my ex-husband anymore because um, I'm working really hard to make up for what he's not doing to my children, what he's not offering my children. I'm really making up for that. And I'm doing everything opposite of how he wants me to do it. And that's control. Mm. Yeah. But it is not the, a way of control that's easily that's that is easily recognized because they're saying I'm free. I'm doing everything different from how he wanted me to do it. But actually it informs all their choices. It's still the abuser that informs all their choices. So mm. it's not doing things differently. It's doing things because you are doing them in the way you want to do them and you believe it's the right way. So how do you begin that practice of not just doing things differently, but doing things authentically? How do you begin that process? What are your first baby steps? The, the baby steps are getting to know yourself. Yeah, because 
when you're subjected to emotional abuse, there's not a lot of space in your system to connect with yourself. And we know all the stories of people who are subjected for years. They've lost their sense of self. They don't even know who they are anymore. There's no confidence. There's no self-worth. But the most important thing is they don't know what they like, what they don't like. They just know how to keep themselves in survival mode or how to please their abuser. So the first step would be to really start to look at yourself and think, who am I? And not in a bigger, bigger picture. You can start really basic. You know, you can start just looking at yourself, observing yourself and saying, well, this is day to day. What do I really like? And what is it about it that I really like? Yeah, because you can say I'm um, I go for I go for a walk. Yeah, I like to go for a walk. Okay, but what is underneath it then? Yeah, and underneath it might be I like to go for that walk because it means I can be with myself. I am in nature, which is good for me, but I don't have to look at other people or I can really be with me. And that is something that I love. So instead of saying I like to walk, it's like, ah, I'm discovering now. I actually really like to spend time with me. Yeah. For other people, it might be the opposite. And they might say, oh, I love being with people. Oh, why do you, what is it about being with people? So, oh, I love to connect and I, I love to have the vibe and the thing that really makes me alive. Yeah, and maybe you like to be in nature as well as being with other people. So things are not exclusive because a lot of us have um, have these opposite needs and elements in how we are. So we can be very impatient and at the same time have the patience of a saint. Yeah, or not at the same time, but in a different situation. Still, you are the same person, but it depends on situations then. But it's discovering all these very basic elements of mm -hmm. who you are and then you drill down over time you get deeper and deeper and deeper yeah I love how specific you were sometimes people in this space they kind of give more general answers uh such as you know self-love self-worth you know and these things are we obviously want to love ourselves and consider ourselves worthy but I want to point out how specific you were not only what you like but what about it you like because I agree that that is the answer to moving forward and it's a missing piece that um, I see a lot of people miss they they I call it abstract thinking or you know some abstract statement like well work on your confidence well someone could be confident at work but not confident in dating or confident in dating, but not confident at work or confident parenting and not confident in, in crowds, right? So that very specific nature of what you like about it and what works for you. I, I just really wanted to shine a light on that for our listeners, because that's a very important piece that I've seen. Yeah. And I would say that's how I approach things because, you know, for years I was reading self-help books. I'm mm -hmm. sure you've done it as well. And, you know, most people have done it. And as you say, then they say, oh, yeah, yeah, you have to relax more. Um, go on holiday. And you think, yeah, that's nice. I mean, for a start, it costs a lot of money. I need to have free time. 
and I can't do it now or take a dog. Yeah, that's also nice, but you know, that's just sort of this a bit of a hallelujah solution. It's mm-hmm. sort of like, yeah, ultimately it might happen, but you know, what can you do at this moment in time? So if it then comes to relax more, I would say go for find a one minute meditation and do that mm-hmm. five times a day. That's mm-hmm. one way of bringing it into your life straight away. I always giggle. You're talking about getting a dog and I always giggle and say, oh, is there a study that shows that people with dogs are less likely to end up in toxic relationships than people who don't have dogs? And they giggle. And of course they say, well, no, that's not true. And I say, then why is that your healing strategy? (laughs) If there's no basis to it working, why would you do something so expensive and such a commitment where there's no statistical data on it working yeah well you mentioned the word healing strategy and i think a healing strategy is just it's just baby steps maybe hundred thousand baby steps yeah Yeah. i agree every single baby step would help you in your healing so if it's your, and you mentioned confidence in dating, so oh, how do I get confidence in dating? Well, my tip would be read through. If you have, if you have an experience with an, an emotional abusive ex partner, read through what are the red flags. Yeah, mm-hmm. be prepared. So already go on your first date within on the back burner the red flags they might flag up, or also even you could sort of try some things out. Yeah, it's very naughty in a way, but sort of, you know, test the waters with a certain question, with a certain thing, and just observe how how the other person is responding to that. That gives you a lot of information. And that's information or being going into a situation with all that knowledge and that preparation will make you feel less vulnerable and more confident because you will take control of that situation you go home afterwards and you'll make a list and you think through and you you tick boxes or not and then you can decide on the next step am I going to see this person again or is it is it dodgy are there too many ticks tick ticks I'm not going for that anymore Uh, I I like that you said too many ticks too because I think we align on so many things. There's so many things I'm saying. Yes, I agree. I agree. Because a thousand steps to get to your goal, people don't want to do. They want to find the one thing. What's the one book that can solve all the problems or the one coach that can, I can have one hour long conversation with them and it's just going to solve all my problems. And it, and it's just not that way. Um, our brains aren't structured that way. When we learned math as kids, we we learned it over time, right? We learned different pieces and and got to bigger and harder and broader things. Uh, So I I do agree with that. And then, so a pattern of healing and then within the red flags, if you're meeting someone romantically or otherwise, a pattern of red flags, because kind of people say, what's the one thing? Well, probably you know what the one, you know, some of the one things are, and you probably put it up with it in a past relationship. You know, I could say if someone cusses you out and leaves you stranded somewhere, that's a red flag, obviously. But then I say, well, did you experience that before? Yes. 
Well, did you leave? No. Okay. So obviously there's something more in place than, you know, just, just a list of red flags, right? Which you talked about the ticks, the pattern. What comes in as well is self-respect. Yeah. In an abusive relationship, the self-respect is totally undermined. There is no space for it. And it's important to make that part of the healing as well, to build up that self-respect and say to yourself, I am not putting up with this. I am too valuable to allow this to happen to me. It's just not happening. And this is where boundaries comes in. And, you know, a lot of victims of narcissistic abuse and possibly other abuse have a real have a real difficulty with putting boundaries in place they are so used to to going with the flow to saying yeah you know it's fine it's not important and you know cognitive dissonance that element where something happens and it doesn't feel good and it isn't right but in your internal dialogue you make it right because you say Ah, uh, you know, it's not that important. So you're stranded. Yeah, you're left mm-hmm. there. That's a red flag. But then you say, ah, uh, I, I was nearly home anyway. Or um, I called my friend and she picked me up and it was fine. Nothing happens. Nothing bad happened to me. That is just not addressing the real red flag. And that is also not honoring your self-respect. It's just saying, oh, I'm not important and it's sort of, you know, I can deal with it and it's fine. And that's what happens a lot in order to survive in an abusive relationship. But it's not healthy to apply that in day-to-day life. And it's not healthy to start applying that And if, if you want to develop a healthy relationship. And those are my favorite red flags to talk about. We always want to talk about external red flags, like what are they doing? What are they thinking? What are they saying? But the most important red flags are those internal. Do you notice yourself minimizing a situation? Do you notice yourself talking to your friends about a toxic person and thinking, oh, I better not say that because then they'll think, you know, it's those internal red flags that I think are a thousand times more crucial than the outer red flags. Oh, it's like, it's all about how it feels for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because someone might do something that that indicates abuse, but if it doesn't come into you, then actually it's okay. Yeah, but mm-hmm. if you feel uncomfortable, if you think this isn't right, if you get nervous in the presence of that person, or if you get nervous before you meet that person, and not because it's excitement and butterflies, but because it's like, oh, am I going to do the right thing? Am I dressed properly? Am I sort of, you know, all these sort of, all these sort of things? It's you are the judge of what is happening to you, and if you don't feel right, and if you feel uncomfortable then something is happening that's not good for you. And whatever other people say to you, if it doesn't feel right, it's important to honor that. Mm-hmm. You have agree. That. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's important to do the healing work so we get a little more in balance, right? So uh, I know after a toxic relationship, everyone feels like a prickly pear, you know, we're just like, oh, you know, we're so raw that everything can feel really sensitive. Um, And so it's important 
to patch up and heal up and then to have a really good judgment. Is that, <laughs> is that what you well, talk about yeah, in your book? I to, yeah, I wanted to bring up my book, my first book, offers 50 traits of a narcissist. And again, you say to me, I'm very much into the detail and into the baby steps. And in this book, in this checklist, it says, this is, um, no, I can just open or say, uh, my narcissist is um, has double standards. Yeah, mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Then you can talk for hours about it, but it's not that. So mine is narcissist has double standard and it he presents it or she presents it in this way. Then, then the exercise starts and says, how does it affect me in my stress levels, in my happiness level? How affected my thought process? How do I... How do I feel about it? And how do I behave in that situation? Mm -hmm. So it's breaking down again in very specific situations where you can really nail down what actually is going on for you. So you can say, I'm very unhappy with someone. I'm very sort of, uh, um, you know, something is not right. And you can't work with that. But you can work with when you say, ah, if this happens, if the double standards are presented to me, I get really sweaty hands and uh, I, 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 my thoughts are blocked and I can't, I can't think properly, but I know it's double standard, but I don't know how to, how to bring that up. And I feel so uncomfortable and uh, I get very agitated and my behavior becomes all wobbly, wobbly, or, you know, I have the urge to walk away. Now, those are very specific signals, again, Mm -hmm. that you can work with and you can, recognize it in, in other situations you think ah oh, i had it in that situation and now i have it in this situation so this situation also is not good for me i agree completely and again it's about what you are feeling and experiencing not necessarily what they are doing even though there are some probably more obvious circumstances where, you know, if they're screaming at wait staff or um, cheating or lying, you know, some of those things are more obvious. But to keep yourself safe, we want to recognize the early signals of these situations, not wait, you know, two or three years and then collect all this data. You're in a business partnership with someone or you've got a roommate that's toxic or a romantic partnership that's toxic. Um, That's by the time we get all the answers, we've put in too much time. Yeah. 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 Right. Unless well, yeah. we've got unless we've got a knowledge and and then the experience. And for instance, when it comes to narcissists, to find out if someone has narcissistic tendencies. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool to sort of have an opinion against their opinion because they can't stand that. It, it, you know, I have never heard of any narcissist who sort of, oh, well, you think differently. Oh, you think I'm wrong. Well, that's fine. I, they really, they really get worked up about it. So if if you are with whoever, you know, as one of the sort of the, the checks at a very early stage could be that just disagree, just sort of just for the sake of it and observe what the reaction is going to be. Because then you've mm-hmm. got a really good angle, a really good idea if this might be someone who's not good for you. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So 
please tell people where they can find more about you, your books, your website. Um, where do you want people to find more out about you? Yeah, well, they can go to my website, which is called drdestress.co.uk, and it's doctor like D-R, and then de-stress, D-E-stress.co.uk. My books are available on Amazon uh, worldwide, so and on uh, both on Kindle, and uh, the first one, From Victim to Victor, also as an audiobook. What I also offer is a um, a free coaching call. And it's, you know, for some people, they really want to have some coaching, some hints and tips. Some others want some validation or are wondering, is this person toxic? Is this person wrong for me? Is this, is this normal behavior? Am I in the right place? So if people um, want to book for that free coaching call, then they can do that via my website as well. Awesome. Well, Mariette, if you had one minute that you could broadcast your voice to the entire world and say one thing, what would you want to say? Oh, I think the most important thing for each individual here on earth is to get connected with your authentic you. No noise on the line. No no disturbances there but really really work towards connecting with who you really are because there is your power and if you step into your power you can create anything and everything you want for you in your relationships and for the people around you i love it thank you so much for helping us on our journey to becoming toxic person proof Are you loving the Toxic Person Proof podcast? Please subscribe and leave a review. After a toxic relationship, it is hard to know who to trust. So if you have found great information on the Toxic Person Proof podcast, let others know that this is a trustworthy place to find the answers they've been looking for. Leave a five-star review and be sure and share. And don't forget to hit subscribe. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.